Welcome to Kimecast, where we break through and cut the BS in sports medicine, rehabilitation, and sports performance, and talk about how things really work. Welcome to Kimecast. This is Tony Mikla with Aaron Crouch, Russ Dunning, and we're honored to have Dr. Hunter Green tonight. So, super excited. We've gotten to work together for quite a while and gotten to spend quite a bit of time in the clinic together as well, so this will be, uh, be a lot of fun to talk about. Some of the, we want to talk about some, maybe some new advances that's going on in orthopedic surgery, some things we're seeing, and we'll talk a lot about tissue healing and just patients in general and, and how we can help them, how we work together and collaborate, I think is always, uh, always good, always insightful, so rock and roll. But first, tonight we're changing it up, we're raising the bar here to <laughs> the literal bar yeah from the, the normal bar. from the normal beer to to wine so this is going to be cool so hunter you want to show us what we got here sure yeah so this is uh davis states they're out of napa valley um kind of in on the border of calistoga area off the silverado trail um it's a beautiful winery um the, the owner is guy he was a tech guy from san diego uh came up and loved wine and, and built this beautiful place it, Got the property. It looks across to the west and across the, the Napa Valley. There, beautiful, beautiful location. They, in the recent fires, the fire came over the crest of the mountains, mm. and they were able to hold it right there. They lost wow. like uh, two accessory buildings, but they have this old barn from like the 1900s that they do parties in that survived. That the, the uh-huh. winery survived, but they wow. did lose two kind of accessory homes. But they were just so thankful that. Uh, and yes. then actually on Yahoo, you had a picture of their estate with the flames behind the hill on the hill. Oh, wow. Oh, um, and it's interesting because there's a family of bears that live up in the hill. And hopefully, you know, yeah. we, don't, we don't know because they said they haven't seen them yet, but it's wintertime. So yeah. hopefully they survived. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, wow. that's crazy. But yeah, this is Some a crazy uh, 2018 Pinot. Um, they make beautiful wine, so enjoy. Cool. Well, thanks for yeah. thanks for bringing it. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Cheers, thank yeah. you guys. Cheers. Cheers. Rock and roll. So yeah, so let's talk. Um, Very good. Some surgical stuff. And then and we're honored to have Hunter here, who's really one of the finest surgeons we've had the privilege to work with over over several years, which makes our job super easy, mm. which is great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then as the uh, as things have evolved, as the I think as technology is involved, and maybe some of them don't know this, but the process of surgery, especially orthopedics, has gone from you know large open incisions to arthroscopy, which has been around for a better part of at least 25, 30 years now. But even within that, the advancements on a probably a six-month to annual basis of using these different tools and equipment to make it even cleaner so there's, there's less collateral damage and, and kind of easier access to, to stuff. I know that you do a lot of work with the, with the hips. Mm-hmm. has been a big focus, but certainly shoulders and knees as well. So. Yeah, I mean, to that point with, in the olden days of orthopedics was, you know, the bloodier the better. I mean, there wasn't blood on the walls. You didn't do a right operation. <laughs> um, and it was come and, a long way. And, you know, you know, and, you know, you know, instead of minimally invasive, it was maximally invasive surgery. I mean, because the old old school was, you know, expose everything. Mm-hmm. The old school fracture repair was get every piece back to where it belongs. This is like the German thought process of, you know, they're very organized, very neat people. And so you had to put every little piece back together. So you'd strip the bone completely of all the periosteum, Ooh. expose the whole thing, wow. put all the pieces back together, slam a bunch of metal in there, and hope. <laughs> you know? And the picture looks good. Yeah. Well, all your x-rays were phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. rehab but, process. But, uh... you know, the, the, the soft tissue damage of you know, splitting yeah. these muscles, elevating all this tissue was devastating. You know? And... Um, didn't always heal because you devascularize these large portions of the bone mm. that need this vascular supply to heal. Um, and you have this huge incision. My, my brother-in-law is a perfect example. He was skiing in Mammoth, broke his femur. 
and had you know a fairly comminuted or kind of broken up femur fracture. And the guy went in there and you know put this you know beautiful, beautiful plate, put all the pieces, the inner frag screws, this and that, but just stripped the bejesus of his tissue. He's my, my brother-in-law is a triathlete, so he's a fit, healthy guy, you know, doing all these things. You know, went on to a non-union. Doesn't oh, yeah. smoke, eats right, exercises. You know, why mm-hmm. would this young guy go on to non-unions? Because, you know, when I saw the x-rays, I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's not going to turn out well. I mean, it's <laughs> just this beautiful x-ray. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was always too neat. But not respecting the biology. Yeah. Not respecting the biology of, of what's there, what you need to heal. This guy could have done a minimally invasive technique, get some good fixation below the fracture. Now with all these, our locking plates, everything else that, some secure fixation above, leave that common new section alone. We know that... That's all going to heal. It's not a joint. We don't have to have it perfect. You work on alignment. You get the alignment good. It doesn't <laughs> matter what the middle of it looks like. Mm-hmm. We know that. And how, we rod stuff all the time like that. You know, big blasted middle of the femur, put a rod above and below. Alignment's good. Length is restored. Rotation's fine. It's going to heal. They're going to do great. Mm-hmm. But when you destroy the tissues around it, they don't do great. Because the bone doesn't have to move. Everything around the bone has to move. So if you yep. destroy those tissues around mm-hmm. that have to move, mm-hmm. you know, muscle doesn't heal well. It scars. Bone's yep. the only tissue other than liver that heals with bone, doesn't scar. Yep. There's no scar yeah, tissues yep. in bone, so it, mm-hmm. it's always going to be fine. It's going to go back to bone. It doesn't yep. even care. Yeah. You yeah. know, whether there's a lump yeah. of it or whatever. Yeah. Yep. You know, so, but everything else heals with scar tissue. Yeah. And, you, I, and it's you guys to move that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that from a, like, always from a surgeon perspective. It's so, uh, it's so cool. Like the faith that, that surgeons have in the body's ability to heal, which obviously is massive. We have the same faith, but it's, it's incredible in watching people be like, yeah, eh, it looks pretty mangled, but it'll be fine. And people are like, well, like I don't know if it's going to be fine. They're like, yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> and then even if even surgeons that are injured themselves are like, yeah, it'll be fine. You know, heal up. You know, I messed it up, but it'll be fine. Yeah, we, for, for people that operate on people all the time, we don't want to be operated on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You find ways not to have surgery. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It'll be okay. I'll just, yeah, it'll be right. It'll yeah. be right. So, sure. And I think one of the things you, you kind of talked about is, is our role together. Um, you know, it's patient selection, picking the right patients with the right operation. Um, and I always tell my patients, like, I've got the easiest part. I get an hour with you in the OR, do my thing. You have the next six months to, to make it better. Like, I have the easiest part of this role. You have to put the everyday work in. You guys have to put the everyday work in. I always tell them, your relationship with your therapist is going to be far greater than it will be with me. I'll see you at two weeks, six weeks, three months, six months, and sayonara. You know, we're, we're done with this relationship. You guys, you see them twice a week, if not more. Um, stay in touch with them. You're their, their, their confidant. I mean, this is... Yeah. It, this is the you know we talk about ourselves in clinic as being the cheerleaders. Um, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. no, they're like, oh yeah, you're doing great, look good, yeah, no, no, because you know, we talked about this as far as expectations. Yeah. Patients have expectations which they shouldn't have. I've done thousands of surgeries. I know what to expect when I do this operation in this person with this rotator cuff tear or this labral tear. I've seen enough that I know where it's going to go. But it's their first one, usually. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> yeah. But yet they think they know where they should go. Right. Yeah. You know, if I ask you, hey, what's it like to, to skydive out of plane? Like, I don't know. I've never done it. Well, what's, what's it like? Yeah. And you're like, I don't know. I've never done it. But with surgery, I operate a knee like, well, this should be this way. Why do you think that? Yes. Like, There's no reason you should think that. You've mm-hmm. never had this before. And you're just either you heard from someone else who had the mm-hmm. same operation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Exactly. I've yeah. never seen the same rotator cuff tear in any yeah. <laughs> They're all torn, yes, but it doesn't yes. look like the other one I did. Yeah. That'd be easy then. We just need one implant to fix one, this thing because it's always the same. Yeah. It's like a car part, you know? Spark plugs. Yep. Put them in. There we go. We're yeah. good. Yeah. But I mean, 
it's everyone's different. And I love when people say, oh, they had the same thing. Mm-hmm. No, they didn't. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, yeah. No, 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 oh, yeah. No, Completely no. individualized. Like, yeah. that's such a strong conversation that we have with all their clients. And, like, I can tell you what we've done for this this rehab for this certain surgery with these select amount of people, but you're going to have a completely different response than what they had based on your own, even like personal experiences, and that's not even what, just your tissue. Yeah. You know? And that's what I love what yeah. you guys do is it's not a protocol. It's not, okay. It's, it's week five and after your ACL yeah. and we needed to be doing yeah. this. <laughs> like, okay, well that's, you know, I'm not the paper. I'm, I'm me, I'm here. Yeah. And that's where yeah. you guys are so good at individualizing, feeling, knowing where they're at. You could be an eight-weeker at five weeks. Mm-hmm. You could be a two-weeker at five mm-hmm. weeks. You don't know. But mm-hmm. exactly. you have to adapt and move to make wherever they are, you have to come to them. Yeah. And then try to get them back on track or slow them down from getting too far ahead of themselves. Yeah. And that's, that's the, the kind of the art of medicine and, and everything that we do is individualizing a kind of global thought of where you need to be. You have the goal, okay, we want you back to basketball. Okay. We're getting there. Everybody wants to get back to basketball that's doing that. But the road to get there is, you know, Apple Math has three choices. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you're touching on something that's, that's so relevant because people right now, they have surgery and then they Google different protocols and they bring all four different variations of a protocol right oh, yeah. to the, the, the PT clinic. Or, um, or even the doctor will reference the protocol, hey, it's 12 weeks, they should be good to go here. In reality, your relationship with the surgeon as, as a therapist and your understanding of that person's custom needs is so essential because the protocol is just kind of loose. It, they're, they're all loose, just you know, shotgun approach. And what's, what's more important is the week-to-week progression. Not too fast, not too slow, feels good. And, and we stay the course there. And then what, what I love is reading op notes, reading the operative notes of mm-hmm. uh, not, not to know that, that I'm going to be able to um, understand everything in the operative note, but I'm looking for some th- three key words, mild, moderate, and severe. You know, yeah. When I look at that stuff and if I see a lot of severes, like, I might want to chat with the doctor about this. Is this going to be a pretty um, easy, chill rehab process or is it going to be aggressive or you know how are we going to uh, negotiate those things because they're all different for each person i frequently look back at either my op note or the arthroscopic photos if someone's not where i think they should be and it's okay we're we're three months out still got some swelling what's going on let's go back to pictures ah that's right you mm-hmm. get the chondral wear on the end of the condyle that's probably why we're slow you know that's okay mm-hmm. we can get there we're just a little slower than we expect because you've got this going on and they always go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. You know, show them pictures. Remember this part? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. So yeah. that's why you're just, we're taking a little more time. Yeah. We got to get a little more strength in there. Got a little bit, you know, going. But that's why we're not on the kind of trajectory that your friends were on that had the same surgery, mm-hmm. you know. Right. So that sort of being able to look back and, like, I'll go back and read my op note. Like, okay, oh, yeah, okay. They had some more advanced chondral wear or had this big chondral lesion in the acetabulum. And, okay, well, yeah. that's going to slow you down a little bit. We're going to. And I always talk to my patient about, you know, now that we know what we have, we've got to make good choices. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've got condolies in your hip, we're not going to think about running. We're just not going to do that. That's not a hip-friendly activity. We're not doing that. Yep. Um, you've got to make smart choices with what you're doing moving forward, knowing what's now going on. We've been in there. We yeah. know what's going on. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean you can't do certain things because we've had people that have these bad things and they get back and, and I always challenge them. Hey, prove me wrong. Mm-hmm. I'll admit I was wrong. You got back to it. You feel great. That's fine. Absolutely. But yeah. in general, you got to be careful when we know what's going on. And that's great that you guys look at those things. And I, when a I, therapist calls me, hey, I was reading your op report. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I feel honored. Cool. But but that just shows that kind of level of care to take care of the patient. This patient, not a protocol patient, mm-hmm. but this patient and what happened to them and in, in the OR yep. at that time. You know, and you know our oh our op reports are sort of like your your your, your resume. It's it's always the best picture of what happened. <laughs> it's not always the, the, oh, yeah, well, this anchor went in and out. And, yeah. 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 On the fourth attempt. Yeah. 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 But there's, you know, there's certain things, there's a level of honesty you have to kind of bring into that. If, hey, that anchor pulled out, the bone quality is bad, we then went to this. and so um, Because there's times when you get in there and just dunk it in and there's a big old cyst in there and that's not holding right. And you just, then you got to go to plan B. Mm-hmm. And kind of move and adapt mm-hmm. to whatever mm-hmm. you're given in the OR because you can't like reset. Let's try that again. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's that's the yeah. critical thinking. Then I think the people think, oh, I'm going to have surgery, whether it be rotator cuff or you know hip labrum or ACL or whatever. It's like oh, I'm going to have the surgery, and it's just that. And yeah. it's like, well, you realize that the person you're hiring is needs to be critically thinking in that mm-hmm. moment because, mm-hmm. like to your point, like. You come in and do it. It's not like there's just one thing to put in. You have a tray of options, quite a few trays, as a matter of fact. All the different options, just in case something went a little awry or like I saw something that I wasn't ready for. I was like, oh, okay, we need this different size anchors, different types of drills, different types of security uh, methods, different sutures, different knot strategies. Like Mm -hmm. lots of options to to solve these problems. So yeah, and so that and that's the uh, we always tell you, you know, plan A is this. And sometimes you know we're going to need some bigger options over here. Because yep. typically you go in with yep. a plan and, yep. yeah, this is we're going to run down this path. Yeah. And rarely do we get bumped off or a little speed bump. Okay, we can just alter yeah. that. But sometimes you know going in, especially in like a revision setting, like, okay, well, well we're going to have some backups over here. Yeah. Because we yeah. don't know exactly what we're going to get when we get in there. Because that's the revision setting. They've had surgery before. Sure. You don't know what the tissue's going to be like. You don't know what the guy did before if it wasn't you or if it was you, what you did before. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those are guaranteed, like, hey, we've got allograft backup. We've got a graft in place. we got this. And the, that's the strategy where you have to kind of really think on your feet. And some patients get that, like, okay, so you're going to decide once you get in there. Yeah, I'm kind of, you know, going to – it's a game-time decision sort of thing. This yeah. is oh, – we're yeah. going to figure out what's best for you at that time when we're in there. And there's a, you know, great term, you know, called functional fixedness. And it's like, okay, this, this, is a, this is a wine glass. But what else can it do? <laughs> you can turn it over. You can stack stuff on it. You can do that. You can, you know, so there's ability to look outside that box of what something can do. And we do that a lot in orthopedics because mm-hmm. sometimes we don't have the tool we need. So we need to make the tool we need from what we have in the back table and, yep. and, and figure it out. We just drop the mallet. Dang oh, okay, yeah. well, I'm going to grab the drill and use yeah. the drill to yeah. it because it works. only when I had it with sterile. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, all right, you just adapted. Yeah. And, and so you, that, you, know, you don't want a surgeon that has functional fixedness right. because then right. you can only see what it's intended for, yeah. right. not what it else it could be. You're MacGyver for. in there. Yes. you got to be MacGyver. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. most of the time, you don't want to do that because no. you right. want that first path. But if you get into that situation where you're throwing a curveball and, okay, where do we go from here? Yep. And there's times you got to just step back and gather your thoughts and because you get lost in the moment a little bit and, and younger surgeons get this a lot where they're just so tunnel visioned in on what's going on it's mm-hmm. you just gotta okay step away from the field for a second mm-hmm. gather your thoughts take a deep breath yep. um one of the guys that i trained with was, was great he's like if you're ever stuck in a case 
just irrigate. It'll give you time to think. <laughs> just <laughs> irrigate. And, and it's a good thing, too, because then you're cleaning the wound and yeah. you're, you're reducing yeah. the risk of infection. So it's like... Start humming to yourself. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But it's, and it is. You just... Um, and it's great when you have an OR team that you worked with a lot, and, and they know you, and they kind of know how you go, and, and they, they know, like, oh, he's thinking. <laughs> and, <laughs> like, and they also got to see how, you know, and then, and, but you got to, you know, diverge off that path, get lost in the woods a little bit, but all right, let's get ourselves back on that trail. We know where the trail is, we just got to get back to it and, mm-hmm. and, and find a way to the end. And, yeah. But it, it's, it's tough, and it struggles, and you always, you know, the rule is always leave the OR happy. Mm-hmm. Never leave the OR unsatisfied, and so you just leave the OR happy. You're there. You've reached the goal. You've done the best that you can for your patient, given what they gave you. Because mm-hmm. sometimes you know these, like talk about fractures. Yeah, it's a tissue like it's as good as it's going to get. You know, <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know the, we always say the enemy of good is better. You know, and yeah. you know, trying to make mm-hmm. something. You know, you get fracture reduction. You're looking at it like, can I make it? Okay, no, I'm not going to make it better. That's, yeah, it's, this is, we're going to buy yeah. this. We're going to be good. You know, start pulling screws in and out. It's like, yeah, it's just going to just fall apart. Yeah. You know, so it's... To make know. this really real, we had a, a client um, that you saw a couple weeks ago. I just evaluated the gentleman the other day. And he's a non-surgical situation, but it was a mechanical engineer. And we've talked about different types of patients and stuff. So he's very, very, like, I want to know exactly what By we're the doing. Books, they, yeah. they said material properties of things. Yes, yes. Yeah, but you're a human. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. So, you know, we started, the, the conversation started off with, here's my MRI, you know, instead of, here's my shoulder and here's yeah. how it feels, right? So it was interesting. And, and of course, it was 50% uh, partial thickness tear. And uh, then there was a slap lesion as well that was identified. So I had not asked him to raise his arm yet. I don't have any idea what the pain level is at, you know. And so he's like, what do you think about that? I'm like, well, I'll tell you this. And this is from working together with with good docs and knowing that there's a decision-making process here. I'm like, well, I'll tell you this. If you're sitting here in front of me today from Dr. Green and you had not had surgery, I'm assuming that you function fairly high. And he already elected, he saw the image and elected that, he could operate on 50% partial tear, but he doesn't have to. And so let's talk about that. And, say like, <laughs> and then, so this is what we can do. This is the physiology of how we can make this tendon change and evolve, et cetera. And then he's like, okay, yeah, it makes sense. But I, man, it's 50% torn. I'm like, yeah, I understand that. But let's go through and let's, let's. Yeah. and then he raises his arms up, you know, and he's got like 165 degrees. And I do his strength testing and he's strong. And I'm like, this is why you're here. <laughs> we can make you worse in the OR yeah. in your situation. And, and this is, it's not like, oh, my cuff is torn. It has to be fixed. My, my cuff is damaged and certainly maybe torn, but everybody else's is too over the age of 40. Yeah. It's a degree of how much and how does that affect your function? And then that's where the decision tree yeah. really comes and in. And that's, we talked a little about being mm-hmm. greedy. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, if, if this is 100%, and you're here, surgery's probably not going to get you there. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. You're down here. We can get you here. Yes. You know, to, and mm-hmm. and I always tell people like this guy exactly. If I operate on you and you look like this afterwards, I pat myself on the back. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Yeah. Right. All right. Way to go. Yeah. You know. But you're already there. <laughs> yeah. We can just make you see if we can make you a little better from where you are. Yep. And you know, try to either give you realistic expectations to what you should expect to do with the shoulder, mm-hmm. or break those and see if we can get you better. Right. But mm-hmm. yeah, the the. Um, my MRI yes. says, oh, that's bad. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If I was going to operate on an MRI, I would operate on an MRI. That's fine. But I'm not going to operate on you, mm-hmm. you know, because I've operated on that MRI before and had good success, but it looked different than you. Yeah. And so this whole concept of what my MRI shows, and you know, we know from great studies, like you said, you know, slap lesions, extremely common. 
you know, mm-hmm. meniscus tears, exceeding the common. Yeah. I just have to tell you know, mm-hmm. is your meniscus tear the cause of your pain? Yeah. I know mm-hmm. it's on the MRI. Yeah, that's fine. Mm-hmm. It's a cloud in the sky. Is mm-hmm. it going to rain? I don't know. Do you know it's going to rain? Because there's a cloud. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like, is that yeah. going to produce yeah. rain or not? Yeah. I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. Yeah. And so that's the whole thing when people come in. Labral tears, exceedingly common. Right? Yeah. You know, but likely if you're coming to see me because you have a you found a labral tear in MRI, something was bothering you enough to do that. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's, it's these people that get in car accidents and things like that, and you get an MRI. Oh, I have a labral tear. Great. Yeah. You know, it wasn't from a car accident, but yeah, you, know, <laughs> yeah. you found one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think like a, an interesting like when you shed light on those conversations when someone brings up their imaging, I always like to ask, well, did you get a like a pre-injury image as well, like you're going to compare it to? Like, how do you know that didn't pre-exist? Like, the, pretty much all the research says you could image an entire room of people and half of them are going to have some pathology in their tissue, whether it's a, a labral tear or if it's a meniscus tear or even protruded disc, you yeah. know? And even maybe a third or a quarter of those people might feel pain. Right. So there are plenty of people walking around with damaged tissue that have, you know, zero limitation to their know. life. And yeah. I think that that truth to the client is like, oh. Okay. Yeah, I, I tell that all the time with, with, you know, we don't know how many people have them because we don't MRI everybody, you yeah. know, because they're fine. You know, I always tell them, you could have a stare in your other knee. <laughs> you probably do. Yeah. Well, that yeah. one's fine. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, so you have to, but that's where the, the clinical side of what we do is we have this objective image on an MRI or x-ray or what it happens to be because I've seen Bone on bone arthritic hip. Mm-hmm. Guy rides his bike 200 miles a week. All right, go away. You know, yeah, it's, right. it's, it's one of those things that, and then you have a hip that has no problems and they can't walk. All right, so we got to figure these things out. Like mm-hmm. these are two drastically different things, but yeah. also very drastic clinical pictures. And mm-hmm. so, is your meniscus tear the source of your pain? Yeah. And that's what we get to do and try to figure that out clinically. And then, if we think it is, can you guys help them without us having to to do something surgically to them? Because not every meniscus tear needs surgery. Not every mm-hmm. labral tear needs surgery. Not every cuff yeah. tear needs surgery. Yeah. You know, the, my favorite is the, these old guys that come in with a you know, high-rating humeral head, obviously no cuff. You know, they, someone got an MRI and they're atrophied all around. Arm goes way up. They do that. Strength isn't great, and that's what they want. Right? Mm-hmm. They, there's no chance of getting any strength. Do you have any pain? No. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Once again, then, then that comes up the comment again, like, if you look like this after surgery, I'd be pretty happy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they're like, but I want strength. I said, well, nothing I can do will give you what you want. Mm-hmm. And they, but I said, fortunately for you, there's a lot of people that have pain, can't raise their arm over the head, you know, and you're, you've got all those things, and that's what I can restore with surgery. But you're already there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't need yeah. it. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, you can operate on them, like. Yeah, you can operate on every partial thickness cuff tear. Sure. Absolutely, yeah. and, and look great. Yeah, because they're going to do great no matter what. Mm-hmm. You know, it's and that's the one thing. So you have to, you know, there's some level of, you know, do you need this? And it's hard to convince some people. Yeah, you know, a guy like this. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know what it shows. Imagine you didn't see that. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Should we MRI your other shoulder? Yeah, right. And it might perseverate on like two shoulders now. Well, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you don't want to open that box. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, and one thing that I wanted to kind of touch on a little bit because this is um, things that I talk a lot about patients where you guys can, you know, come in and once again, having them have an understanding is it's. The, the three S's, you know, you're talking about, you know, strength, stability, and stamina, mm-hmm. you know, so you have to have good strength, um, stability around the joints, 
and, and good stamina and things like that. So, and a lot of that stability thing comes from either they're overly lax, so that's you know the, the flexibility side or, or stretchiness of them. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. some people are, are overly stretchy, so they need more strength mm-hmm. to create that stability, yep. um, or they're overly stiff. You know, they, you know mm-hmm. and it's you know guys and gals have different amounts of that. You know, young guys tend to be a little stiffer, mm-hmm. young girls tend to be a little more lax. So we have to kind of balance those categories right. of what it is, and that's where you guys get to do that great assessment, take a look at them, say like. Yeah, yeah, you can you can leg press four hundred pounds. It's great, mm-hmm. but you can't touch your toes for that. Bit of a problem. Yeah. Right. Right. So we're gonna stay off that machine. Yeah. No, you can kill it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we're gonna come over here, and try to find you know, be able to you know, reach down yeah. and touch your toes. Yeah, yeah. so and, true. And then yeah. these people that can do all this stuff but can't run for ten minutes, you know, without you mm-hmm. know falling over. And mm-hmm. so the, the balancing those things is so important for just you know, our general overall you know joint health, whatever you want to kind of call it, but. Those things, I think, I try to emphasize over and over again with people in, in either the non-optic phase or even in the optic phase, because mm-hmm. optically we ruin a lot of those things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we take away, we, we put them in a the sling for six weeks. Okay, well, now we're going to be stiff and weak yeah. and not be able to, you know, do anything. And I tell them early on, it's like, going out to get the mail is going to be like running a marathon to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, you know, you, they have all these expectations of what I could do before and this and that, but no, it's all, game's different after surgery uh, yeah. or yeah. after injury. Because mm-hmm. yep. even with an injury, you take time off, you rest, and people, you know, a couple of days of rest ruins you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've all seen how quickly a quad goes away after an ACL. Yeah, oh, I mean, rapid. Right days, before your eyes, you can watch days. that thing just yeah. go away, <laughs> wasting you, you, away. You, you blink. And then it's nine months to make <laughs> yes. it come back. Right? Yeah. Sort of if, so. done, if done well. If yeah. done well. Yeah. 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 So, so those are the things where you're just trying to educate them and in, in, in having that balance of where they are. Okay, yeah. well, you're, you're really flexible not really strong mm-hmm. so that flexibility helps you with your sport as a you know ballerina or a gymnast but having that strength will make you you know a better athlete mm-hmm. and if you kind of give them why you need to do it i think that helps not just yeah. we have to do uh, this cause sure. yeah. yeah but you know yeah. how it's going to make you better and i remember yeah. the, this one kid uh i think you know a soccer player and you know some knee injury or something like that but you guys have worked with him and um while he was recovering Worked on his core, his glutes, mm-hmm. the around, you know, the other things that are important to be a good athlete, sort of thing. Um, and then he came back. He's like, I "They couldn't move me on the field. I used to get knocked around a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can just feel them stronger. <laughs> they can't move me around as much." I'm like, yeah. "Yeah, you're you're better because of this." And I mean, 100% with the ACL kids, I always tell them, "Hey, you're going to be a better athlete after this yeah. than you were before because yeah. you're going to know how your body works a lot better. Yeah. You're going to know how to train a lot better. You're going to yeah. know how to protect yourself a lot better." Mm-hmm. You're going to be in better shape than everywhere because when it works, you don't have to work at it. You know, yeah. when things yeah. are good, it's like you yeah. just go out, yeah. you just yeah. throw your cleats on and go. Yeah. Yeah. Now you know yeah. I got to warm yeah. up. Mm-hmm. I got to yeah. train. I've yeah. got to you know not yeah. only train my sport but train other aspects of it, my, my strength aspect, my flexibility yep. aspect, my stamina aspect, so I can be a better athlete. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just tell them, hey, everybody wants to get an A on the test. Nobody wants to do the homework. And, you know, PT is the homework so you can score well on the test. Yep. And the mm-hmm. test is your sport. Mm-hmm. And so I always tell them that, like, yeah, I, I know this part's going to suck. It's not going to be fun. You know, like ACLs, it's three to six months is, is your groundhog day. It's yeah. the same thing over and over oh, yeah. again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's a great rinse, analogy. Repeat. Rinse, yeah. repeat. Yeah. 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 yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Totally yeah. That's the... I love the perspective that you have because, I mean, he comes from an athletic background, if you guys don't know. So played tennis in college, and then I did some personal training before you went to to orthopedics, so yep. it's like you know what it's like to coach someone, train someone, the load it takes. I think that's a huge perspective when it goes into 
that decision making and then of course that rehab process. So we got to see some cool stuff. Speaking of imaging and, and such, when we spent a lot of time in the clinic together, and I just remember this one case was a young guy, a young young kid. I think he was like 11 or 12 years old, and he broke his forearm on the monkey bars, like they all do, right? You know. And monkey bars and motorcycles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, something happened where they had gone to urgent care or they did not go to urgent care. I can't remember what happened, but they, they really had been about six days since the fracture and, and the kid had been just with his arm by his side and saying it hurts and for whatever reason, no action was taken. Uh, so you imaged it and just an x-ray and we looked at it in there and I remember seeing it and we're like, ah, oh, man, it's, you know, it's angled, doesn't look good, it's not aligned. And, but I hadn't got to see you set a fracture, so I was like, oh, man, six days after the fracture, I could see, like, a clear fracture is, like, black in between both bones. Like, oh, this would be cool. Because so it was pretty clean, you know? I'm like, oh, are we just going to set this? You know, maybe we'll get a chance. Maybe I can help him, you know? I'm like, so are you going to set that in the room or what? And he's, you're like, nah, man, there's no chance we can move that thing. I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, look at There's two bones, like, clearly broken. And you're like, dude, that thing's solid. If we, I'd have to take it to the OR, and even then I'd have to break it because that bone callus forms so rapidly and, and so quickly and it's it's solid even though it doesn't show up on the image and I, I think I took a lot from that and uh, just that experience and that knowledge and I, I think that we we underestimate certainly how live bone is and how uh, how fast it can heal and in our field when you you're know, young yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 true. We, we figure uh, you know we talk about bone healing as like a six-week process six to eight week process you know to really solidify and, and harden and a lot of people see that but I thought that was really amazing that six days the perspective was that sucker's pretty solid already. Yeah, you've got a 10-day-old distal radius fracture and a 6-year-old. I can re still reduce that in clinic, no problem. It's yeah, not gonna, it's, mm -hmm. It hasn't had that. When you get a young kid like that, I mean, within a week or two, I mean, you know, typically, you know, clavicle fracture, by two weeks, that kid's not having any pain. I, I literally saw a kid who's, I think, 15, clavicle fracture, skier, comes in, he's four weeks out, and you know, I kind of tell him, all right, you know, two weeks, you're kind of good through here, a little, little sore, but by two weeks, well, pretty much the pain's gone. Four weeks, you can kind of get to here. Six weeks, you're here. He's four weeks, he's here. Sure. No pain. You win. You know, <laughs> I got the nice, you know, and you can feel, you know, x-ray-wise, it, it's better. You've seen some early remodeling of the fracture, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. still not that bridging callus that we see, but you can feel he's just got this lump over, you know, and I yeah. said, oh, that'll, that'll smooth that over time, but yeah. it's that, you know, that... You know, what your body's doing to splint that internally, mm -hmm. yep. you know, is, is great. Yeah, and, yeah. and like I said, those young kids, it's when we see them that, you know, in that seven to 10 days, you're like, mm, you bought it. You know, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> phone remodels yeah. at that age, you know, yeah. so they have a great ability to remodel and change, you know, or so our bones won't remodel that. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. They'll heal, but they yeah. won't remodel. And so yeah. that's the greatest thing, you know, these humorous fractures in these kids. I mean, they can be... 60 degrees off, and it's like, mm, that'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> and the parents are like, really? Yeah. And they get the book. I used to get, you know, I wasn't, you know, experienced enough in practice and not enough gray hair to kind of <laughs> tell, tell parents, like, it's going to be right. So you go get the book. I'm like, here's a picture of this kid like you. That looks good. Bloop, bloop, bloop. There it is. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. 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 And, you know, and parents are, as you know, you know, you have to, they have a lot of stakeholders. Well, they want the best. Sure. And, yeah. and, oh, yeah. and like, but can't you... We don't need to, you know. Yeah, I can, but mm -hmm. do you want your kid to go under anesthesia and all that stuff? But he's going to be the same regardless of what we do? No, okay, so. Yeah. That's that's the big point is knowing when not to do something. Yeah. Is, is, is oh, yeah. And then I think you were talking a little bit about some of the technical advances of, of what we do. And, man, it's it's really – I've been in orthopedics 15 years now in, in practice here, but, you know, 20 years as far as since I started training. And even then, I mean, when I finished training, this was – 
long ago, but not that long ago. I mean, <laughs> 2004, 2005, um, that was still just the emergence of a lot of the arthroscopic shoulder stuff. People are still doing mm-hmm. midi open cuffs. Yep, yep. ACLs had kind of been dialed in since about the 90s. I mean, people are doing arthroscopic ACLs. You know, what we do with that is a vein change as far as our fixation and how we drill, and mm-hmm. now it's all inside technique, so we really don't have to breach as much cortex, and we can be better to the tissues around the joint. So that's gotten a lot better as far as how we fix things and how we treat the joint. But with shoulders, I mean, at the time, I mean, that's why I wanted to do my fellowship is to learn arthroscopic advanced stuff for shoulders because I learned in residency, I mean, we were doing mini open cuff repairs. Mm-hmm. We had one guy who had come back from a fellowship right. just as I was finishing to learn how to do arthroscopic cuffs, but still, it's a little bit of a struggle still. You're, yeah. you're tying things, you've got all this stuff going on. And, and it's about angle. Yeah. Like getting the, like the mini open on allowed mm-hmm. you to get a little better angle, a little better fixation, is my understanding. Versus at, at that time, well, because you're doing bone tunnels, yeah, yeah. So you're doing bone tunnels through the tuberosity and pulling it down that way and tying over a little bone bridge, and yeah, that worked great. I mean, um, then as things evolve, now it's like, yeah, you can see so much better with the scope than you can mm-hmm. with the mini open. I mean, it's just anytime you have to open anything, you're like oh, this is horrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, the scope is like ah, glorious. You can yeah, see yeah, it clear. Yeah. yeah. So it's it, that side of it is is really you know advanced as far as you can just we have to hold our cuffs back now. Before it's like yeah yeah I'm not moving this thing at all because I tried mm-hmm. to move it and it, I was about to die. You know, I'm yeah. Throwing men like it's <laughs> yeah. all over. Yeah. Now it's like you know I, I see him back. And it, they're two weeks, and they're like, yeah, this is not too bad. Don't, <laughs> don't, 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 don't. No, it's, it's okay. It feels good. No, I don't, just, don't do this. <laughs> you know, it's like you just have to like slow them down because it's there's you know the, we're getting in such rigid fixation that they feel mm-hmm. good yep. really mm-hmm. soon. Yeah. You know, I've kind of on my smaller cuff tears, I'm letting just four weeks in a sling and get a moving. Yeah. You yep. know, and, and it's not uncommon to see them back at you know two to three months, and they've yep. got active motion to here, and it's like. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> that's, you know, and they feel great. Yeah, you yeah. Know? And you're just like, okay, you feel great, but we're still, it's still biology. We yeah. can't change that biologic yeah. clock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and especially, you know, in cuff age, you know, yeah. you got these people that, but yeah, it's, it's, that is remarkable as far as what, you know, we can do now. Um, and, you know, when, when you see people, you know, occasionally I'll come across these outbreaks where someone did an open acromioplasty. Like, you did, did what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> you know, yeah. Do you hate this person? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it, it's strange when you see those things. You know, and, and some people still will do open for, like, subscaps because that's a challenging sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's yeah. not, you know, that's not a big deal. Um, you know, and some things are still then open, but our ability to do so much arthroscopic and, and really treat a lot of the shoulder stuff that way. And then in regard to hip, I mean, I kind of started fellowship and the guy I was doing my fellowship with was learning hips as well. So we learned together and, you know, from back then it was just getting the scope in the hip and debriding some labrum and playing around with the bone a little bit. Yeah. It was a brand new surgery at that yeah. time. Yeah. It was just coming out. So, um, you know, some guys, isolated places had been doing it for a long time, but as far as the... It's really not even a mass thing yet. And it's still, in even a big area like we are in Sacramento, there's still only a handful of guys that do it. Yeah. And, you know, and even fewer that do it a lot. Yeah. Um, so the, the arthroscopic approach to that is like, you're kind of adapting other things, you know, because early on you had, everything was kind of adapted towards hip, didn't have hip length anchors. So you're hoping mm-hmm. that your patient was small enough that you could get a shoulder device in there mm-hmm. to pass things through <clears> this and that. Then the instrument started to come around. And now we have like a whole 
plethora of things that we can kind of, we've got cannulas and anchors and we've got tying, you know, knotless anchors, tying anchors, um, getting there so where we can start to treat more cartilage lesions in the hip, we can do some microfracture because you don't understand when you have an acetabium like this and your angle is coming in like this, it's really hard to drill 90 degrees off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, the lesions are never where you want them to be. They're always where you can't get to them. Yeah. Yeah. And so they have these now, you know, these flexible drills now that can kind of go basically go around a 90 degree curve um, and drill. But you know, these things are delicate. You can't really lever on them too much because it's a small drill and it's a bendy drill and it can break. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have to be really careful when you're when you're doing these things. But our ability to approach and attack these things and in a minimally invasive fashion is so good. I mean. Way back when I first started doing this, people were still doing kind of open surgical dislocation work, yep. where you go in and you you know surgically dislocate the hip mm-hmm. and do the labor work and do the cam work, um, and it was always you know from a salesman standpoint, it's not hard to sell. <laughs> Two little tiny incisions, we're really big incisions. <laughs> and I actually had a gal that had had an open one on the other side, and I did her arthroscopy. She's like. That was way better. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a ways down to the yeah. hip from the, from the, the access oh, port already. Even, even that's the, a lot of tissue. A skinny, skinny person. And, it, and it's all muscle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so the ability to kind of delicately pierce through with a you know, cannula that gives you access to there. Yep. Um, and that's the, the challenging part about hips is, you're like with a knee, yeah, you're like this far in. You poke in, you poke yeah. out. You don't need yeah. cannulas. Yeah. Um, but a hip, you know, to lose your access into the hip, that far down is like, mm-hmm. oh man, you never want to lose your access because it's challenging to get that trajectory yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's why we leave cannulas in and we kind of do that and start to build that pathway back in there. And but yeah, the it, it's remarkable um, how much we can do inside the hip. And that goes back to the point is like, people see two little tiny incisions, like, why does it hurt? <laughs> Let's go back over those pictures. <laughs> yeah. Shave all this bone we here. We can still take yeah. bone out even with a little tiny yeah. hole. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever show them the tool? This is what I put in your hip? <laughs> well, occasionally there's like pictures of stuff like that, you know, because it'll be in the picture. I'm like, yeah. oh, what? is that still in there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not still in there. Yeah. And like, that's, you know, we have these, and, and it is remarkable that the tools we have, the shavers and burrs and, and how yeah. burrs have evolved, you know, it used to be, you know, because hips are fairly dense bone, you know, and so to able to burr that is different than like a, an acromion. Acromion's, mm-hmm. you know, you're hoping you don't take too much because the bird just grabs it. Lean. Our ability to have better burrs because, and that that changed even like the difference between a good shaver and a good burr. It's 20, 30 minutes in a case. Right. I mean, if you know your shaver kind of working and getting mm-hmm. through yeah. tissue, and then the burr, you know, especially you got a twenty. I just did a you know a collegiate you know junior college quarterback and his bow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're just like right, right. sitting there. Yeah, but, you know, solid, fortunately, yeah. we have these diamond birds now that are just money and that, that you can save how, so much time. Wow, how about wow. that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we like use it on concrete. Yeah, yeah right. Construction. It's, diamond bladed saw blade. Yeah, bladed, right. It's a wood shop in there. Really. Yeah, really it says DeWalt on it. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> well, we, get, we get fancy tools. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the dumbed down version. Yeah. yeah. That's a. Couple hundred dollar drill versus a fifteen thousand dollar drill. That's the oh. hard, don't drop the drill on the OR, right? Because that sucker. Oh, they're they're pretty durable. I mean, because these these are so. Yeah, they can get you know water, blood, yeah, they get all yeah, kinds yeah. of stuff on yeah, them. I mean, true. so these are these are that's why they cost so much money. Is because yeah. one, you, you use them consistently. Yeah. yeah. And you know your drills are going to last you years, but that's why you're paying ten thousand dollars for it. But you're going to get you know many 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 uses out of it. You know, and and they they take a little bit of a beating. Yeah. And they're, they're interchangeable with different, you know, we get, you know, the drill can turn to an offsetting saw, it can be this and all these other you know, uh, aspects of it. And that's, 
and we yeah. talked a little bit about kind of the tools and kind of how we assault people, you know. And yeah. 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 If you're an ophthalmologist, <laughs> you don't use a lot of oscillating socks. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're working around the eyeballs. I remember the, kind of the side story, but it's funny. One of our uh, ophthalmology guys, a kid who got kind of shot with a pellet, and it kind of went through here and was lodged right next to his eyeball. And he didn't have an x-ray license, so he, he needed someone. And I was on the call on the weekend, and I, and I was like, yeah, can you come in so I can do it? Yeah, sure, I'll come in just, you know, because he can't run the x-ray machine. So we're in there, and he's like, oh, scrub in. That's funny. So we're literally, and he's like, he's like, I don't know how to localize with these things. I don't ever use an x-ray machine because, you know, we take out a lot of foreign bodies and mm-hmm. bullets and things like that. So we kind of figure out where you are on x-ray, where you have to put your hand to see this image. And so he's in there, and he's like, takes this little malleable sort of text looks like a kind of a bendable tongue depressor sticks it on the eye and moves it aside like can you do that <laughs> Dude, that's his eye he's like oh no it's okay I'm like no it's not okay and I'm just like what he's like no no it's okay and I said and so I'm reaching this little grasper in there I'm like can I reach in here and grab stuff he's like oh it's fine I'm like no it's not fine it's super yeah. and oh, it's just God. so funny and I'm like are you sure he's oh it's fine I'm like yeah oh, yeah. yeah. and then you get you know people you know, with all the, the broken pieces are like is that fine like oh that'll be fine yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. just all your perspective, perspective of what, yeah. you, what you do with it but I mean it's but yeah yeah the we have to kind of be always cognizant of the tissues we're handling and, and some yeah. take more of a joke than others you know Certain things can you can just beat on all day and it doesn't matter. You know, mm-hmm. tendons are pretty durable, ligaments are pretty good, nerves mm, gotta be nice. You know, yeah, yeah. Be nice. <laughs> but but some nerves are more durable than others. Yeah, you, you look at one nerve and it. That's good. Other ones, you, you put a drill through, like oh, okay, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's. Um, and then once again, kind of like the individualization, you know, some people's tissues are very different than others. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's strange. Do you have you could have two exact same age people on the outside look the same, but get in there and just totally different tissue qualities, and it's just crazy. Yeah. I think I think that brings right back to what we were talking about a little bit ago about about protocols. You're talking about so much individualization of tissues, people to people, area of the body. I mean, it's just I mean, I feel like I'm learning right now just so much in, in kind of how you're talking. Yeah. And it, it, makes, it makes so much intuitive sense in, in the rehab world when the, the most thing that I care about is, is a, a mild progression week to week. And you kind of like, yeah, that's the protocol. Yeah, that's the op report. And I know it's either good or bad surgery, whatever. Where are you at right now? And then, and then week to week because in the end, that's all we really have because of what you're saying. So much customization uh, up to that person depending on everything uh, of age to gender to training history to what they do for a living to how much do they stand on their right hip yeah i mean all the everything that adds up to a life is is so individualistic that you have to deal with uh, you know under the scope and the scope and then what we have to deal with on the table yeah one thing you brought up there is so important that um we kind of ask people about they don't under, always understand why we ask them and it's like what they do for a living mm-hmm. because you know, your rehab job is different for a firefighter versus a guy who works at a desk. You know, not like they don't have similar goals of what they want to do, but you know the job requirements are, are far different. And people ask me, like, oh, how soon can I go back to work? Well, what do you do for work? <laughs> you know, because yeah. if you're, you know, if I do a hip scope on a firefighter, it's six to nine months. Mm-hmm. Do a hip scope on a lawyer, back to work in two weeks. Yep. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's <laughs> big difference, mm-hmm. huge yeah. difference. Because of what you're trying to get them back to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other question we ask a lot of them is, like, well, what's your house like? And you guys ask that too. Like, do you have stairs? Mm-hmm. Do you, you know, because you know, we hear it all the time. Like, well, where are we going to go up and down stairs? My bedroom's upstairs. Like, well, you're going to plan your trips. 
Yeah. You're not going to you know go up and down all day. You're going to come mm-hmm. down in the morning, live in the morning, go back up at night. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, the occupation thing, and it you know it drives me nuts when our staff doesn't record that because like, oh, yeah. they'll ask me like we'll get a phone call. It's like, well, hey, when can they go back to work? What do they do for work? <laughs> yeah. right. That makes a difference. Small Don't detail. Know. <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and, and those are things that make such a difference because yeah. um, early on, that's, you know, we take that's like a big portion of our social history is, you know, well, what's your home like? You know, how mm-hmm. many steps into your house? Things like that that you guys deal with all the time. Yeah. And then also, you know, what do you do? What do you need mm-hmm. to do? You know, and, and then what do you like to do? That's mm-hmm. you know, the different thing because you, know, you know, what do you do for a living? Then what do you like to do? So the, that's yeah. the, the big difference there too is because you could have. You know, someone who works as a lawyer but loves CrossFit. You know, so, okay, so this is what you do. So work-wise, yeah, we can do that. What you like to do, <laughs> we're going to have that's we gonna get be, to modify. Yeah, that's going to take a little more time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We're going to have sure. to work towards that. Yeah. You know, so um, it, it, it's a very different sort of phenomenon. And, you know, it, you can always kind of tell, because um, I always tell people, you know, at least two weeks of mental rest. You know, physically, yeah, we're going to rest you. But, you know, work causes stress and things that people don't realize and you know, I want you to be mentally good to recover, mm-hmm. you know, because that's such a big, you know, side of it is if you're stressed, and you guys see that too. You guys oh, yeah, see yeah. so oh, much yeah. of that stress that comes yeah. in their lives, oh, because yeah. oh, they're, they're worried about going back to mm-hmm. work or worried about this and worried about that, and those things impact their healing. Mm-hmm. And you can probably tell yeah. when you're it does, yeah. working with somebody, like, yeah. what's that stress kind of? Because you can feel it. Man, you feel a little tighter. It's different today. Like. Yep. What's going on? Yeah, you, yep. know, you felt good. oh, and then you find out something's going on that's yep. stressing yeah. them and, and impacting how this is healing. Yeah, I mean, what's going on there? Anxious about looming events or something, you know? Oh, whatever. Like and, one, yeah. and so that's you know, I always tell them like, hey, listen, you don't work for me, so I don't care when you go back to work. Yeah, you know, so yeah. I'm gonna let you go back when you feel ready and feel comfortable and feel safe. You know, especially mm-hmm. for the, the 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 correctional officers, the firefighters, the police, those military, all those guys like that. Because yep. it's not just you, your safety; it's the safety around you. Yeah, you the know, team, the, the, your yeah. team that's around you. You know, the firefighters; they they depend on you if they get hurt for you to get them out of there, yeah. or whatever it happens to be. Yep. So those guys, I want them to really. I want you to mentally feel that you're ready to go back and be 100 percent of what you're doing. Yeah. Because yeah. if not, you're going to be worried. And that's the same thing with the athletes. It's yeah. building that confidence. I always tell you know the athletes when you first go back in, basketball, soccer, whatever it is, go in for five minutes, have the coach pull you out. You want that to be that first experience back yeah. after an injury, positive. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. For sure. Leave yourself wanting more. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yep. That's where you get to be greedy. Mm-hmm. Okay. I work so hard for this, but then you go out there and like get a little taste Bye. of it. There's more where that comes from, but only this one right now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. Right. Savor it. Make it go, Savor, you know, yeah. and and so that that experience that you, you want them because it's there's the last time they were out there they got hurt mm-hmm. that's their last memory mm-hmm. and that's scary you know yeah. and that's um, same thing you know that's when people go back to work it's well I remember getting out of my car to walk to my office it used to hurt so bad mm-hmm. so now like oh I can do that now and this those little victories that that they get where they kind of realize well, I'm getting better now and. Yeah. And sometimes it's those little aha moments that patients, I'm sure you can tell you guys, and they come in and tell us, like, oh, I, I, I could reach and I, I did this thing. Yeah. And then we're the cheerleader again. Yeah. 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 <laughs> there you are. There you go. Yeah. But I still can't do all these things. That's all right. Yeah. Hey, cheer. Yeah. Take a win when you can get take, it. Take a yeah. win. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> it's a season. It's so, so yeah. crucial is, is the occupational side and, yeah. and, 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 you know, I don't want to say spiritual side, but just the, 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 the mental side. And that's where you guys have to really 
because there's a lot of depression that goes along with uh, uh, tremendous yeah. pain. Pain makes you grouchy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Identity yeah. loss. Yeah. 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 And yeah, what what you used to be able to do, and yeah. and it's it's a struggle, especially with some of these young athletes to. Especially at the at their end of their high school career, mm-hmm. and yeah. whether they want to go on to something else, or is this this is how I end it for me, and yeah. and so you spend a lot of time talking to them, and I always have to kind of if I can see that kind of on the horizon of we may not be going back to this, you know, this maybe I'm not going to go back to soccer or this and that. You always have to have to give them like, hey, there's you know many fish out in the sea sort mm-hmm. of thing, you know. So other sports, you know, this just opens you up to other opportunities. You know, in the sense, okay, you're not playing soccer anymore, but you may find something else, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a kid that went to Mike. He was, you know, a phenomenal soccer player, like really good. Had a bad knee injury. Wasn't going to be back. Became a water polo stud. I mean, it's just, just um, yep. shifted. Nice little you know? pivot. And, yeah. Athletes, yeah. And, and pivot. Just, just moved and uh, adapted and found something else. And went on and got a scholarship and everything else. Like, boom. Yep. It's, yep. So Because sometimes, like the identity thing, mm-hmm. they so identify as... as this yeah. you know, there's lots of other things you yeah. can do and that's where we have to mentally help them along and and either hey we're gonna get you back to that or if we're not gonna get back to that there's other things we can do right you can find other stuff you're still healthy you're still young there's lots of things you can do um, and just that that spiritual side of, of you know moving them along and yeah. trying to work them through this hard time because mm-hmm. it's it is it's just it's tough yes so I want to talk about um, this other area because a lot of this kind of leads to it as far as using tech and the advancement of surgery and the um, like the actual the, what we do in rehab and, and tissue healing and such is this kind of like the pace at which we onset someone into into the rehab process or like a post-operative uh, when to get started in PT situation. And I think this has evolved again a ton and I think it varies heavily so it'd be kind of fun to talk of. But one thing that's changed heavily is that because things used to be more open procedures, there was a bit more scar tissue and there was a bit more collateral damage. And as things have evolved, become more in the sports medicine space, at least much more arthroscopic, less collateral damage. And like I said, we're slowing people down more than like trying to push them up, you know, but still we see uh, quite a variety in recommendations of when to start, when to start therapy. And, and this is fresh in my mind because of a gentleman today, he's uh, four weeks, four weeks post up on a back, um, just a debridement of his spine. Not, not just, I mean, serious, big surgery, but still wasn't a fusion, wasn't a disectomy, wasn't a disreplacement or anything major in that regard. It was, it was a debridement and opening up some of the, uh, the tunnels and the space. And the doc said, you, you know, you can't start therapy until six weeks. And we've, I've known, I knew him before he had the surgery and he was in, in, you know, in some pain and here he is now like, he did pretty well for a week or two, and then he got really bad at three weeks post-op. And he's just—he's like, I haven't slept in ten days at this point. Da, da, da. Um, I've got to—I got to do something. Like I got to come in, right? So I was like, Well, come in. We'll be fine. Like we'll be safe, you know. And so I saw him on Tuesday. We did some very, very light, mild things, and just really educated him a lot on what to do and how to manage the situation. And the next night, he slept six hours. Saw him again today, and he's like, "My pain is gone from what it was." And so, nonetheless, the the point of all this is this idea of like when to start. And I, the message for me out there to the physical therapy or to the rehab community is, if you look at like an elite sports medicine institute, whether you're at HSS or if you're at Invale or if you're at Curlin Job or any of these places that are in all conclusive, you've got 
ortho and you've got PT and oftentimes the PT starts the very next day and certainly within that first week. Mm -hmm. But to do that, the skill of that practitioner has got to be high. You have to understand what the surgical process was, what the what they did, what's healing and, and what you have to protect and when what you can, probably not pushing anything at one week, but and what, what you can push though, so to speak. So. Oh yeah, I know I mean, we've I think, talked about this. And then you, you look at all the professional athletics. I mean, right. mm -hmm. and only six weeks after their ACL to start rehab. Right, no. right. <laughs> six hours. They're rolling out. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, they're they're at the bedside. Like, let's go. <laughs> let's do you this. Know. Yeah. And no more atrophy. Let's so, go. there's a. I think knowing what you and unfortunately some things with fracture care. Yep. You just gotta wait for the biology. Yep. yep. But other things we know that if we get it moving passively and really keep everything else away from the, the, the injury site or surgical site healthy, it's going to be much better. There's plenty of, plenty of research to show that if you keep one leg stronger, the other one doesn't get as weak. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's, yep. you know. Every day I teach that. Every yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, and, it, and it's real. It's not just, it seems like, no, there's, there's studies to show that. Um, for example, is a, a girl years ago that you took care of that had a soccer player that had an ankle fracture. Mm -hmm. In her senior year, kind of early, wanted to go back for that senior game. And so everything but the ankle, we crushed. Mm -hmm. You know, she was doing everything. So minute, and I was telling them, because we don't want to, you know, like a throwing athlete. Huh. We don't want to get you back to your shoulder perfect. The rest you've just <laughs> right. withered away. <laughs> right. yes. you know, so, no good. We got yeah. nothing. That, you know, everything else has to be ready when your shoulder's ready. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It can't be like, oh, well, yeah, your shoulder's great, but the rest of you is mm -hmm. no yeah. good. Um, so... That process, even if you can't do something specifically with that surgical right. site, oh, yeah. there's an education piece of, yeah, mm -hmm. we're going to go easy on this. This site's healing. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, everything else has to still remain, like, we're, we're ready to go. Yeah. And yeah. that's the, the, the great thing that you guys can do early on. And it, I think what happens is certain surgeons, you get burned by yes. one therapist. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you get one DBT, everybody gets prophylaxis. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the best idea, you know. You know, you're harming more than, than not by either not giving them access to it and there's, you know, toxic community that don't believe in PT at all. It's like, right. oh, that's, you know, it's overly broad, you know. And, yeah. and, and having trust in the therapist and that's where, I don't care if you guys see a week, like, I got my PT set up for, you know, five days out or seven days out or whatever is, um, I'm, I'm going to see them before I see you. Is, is that okay? Well, where are you going? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> where are you going? Where are you going? Right. Oh yeah? Go ahead. Because you know? I know you're not going to abuse it. You're not going to, mm -hmm. you know, make it worse. You're going to have respect for what happened, mm -hmm. but also educate them on this is safe. This mm -hmm. is not safe. Mm -hmm. This is how you just like with your guy. It's a general just, he probably was feeling good. And got off the range a little bit yep. mm -hmm. and did a little too much. And then slapped his hand, you know, and that's mm -hmm. the whole part where the expectations is like, okay, you had yeah. surgery, yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, yes. that's yeah. a big thing. Yeah. You have to respect that in the sense that your body's ability to do things pain-free, you know, that was fine, but you still had surgery. Those tissues are healing. It's biology. You got to respect it. Be yeah. nice to it. Mm -hmm. Keep it happy. Yep. Quit when it feels good. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a little hypersensitive to inflammation and inflammatory yeah. response. If yeah. you blow it up, it's going to let you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. And it's going to feel like day one again. And, and then, you know, know. I tell patients, you don't know where that line to cross is until you cross it. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, but it moves too. Because some days it may be three steps and you're good. Yep. Some yep. days it may be one step and you're good. Right. And you just have to kind of, you know, be able to be flexible with it. And that's where you guys can teach them. Like, hey, on the days you just feel good, 
do more. Yeah. You know, yeah. stretch a little more. Try the wrong thing. The days where it seems flared up, let it right. be flared up. Back off a little bit. Yeah. You know, I, I'll tell people, they're too rigid. Oh, when can I get off the crutches? Okay, well, you can get off the crutches when you don't limp. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. some days it may be you can walk the first half of the day. And then, you know, your husband tells you, hey, it looks like you're limping a little bit. Good. Grab a crutch, grab a cane. Reinforce that good gait pattern. Mm-hmm. You know, get, but it's okay. First half of the day, feel strong. You still had surgery, you're a little going to fatigue, you're going to tire out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Go back to it. You know you're going out for a longer outing, take the crutches. Yeah. Just always be good, be nice to it. So when it does start to feel better, you're already ready to go because you've learned how to walk right. Yeah. And so it's those things you can teach people. It's, yeah. it's like, yeah, sometimes you feel good and you don't need them. I can walk around my house without anything and I don't know. Great, do that. Right. That's great, that's fine. But when you go out, take a crutch because you're going to tire out, you're going to fatigue. You're going to be not as good as you think you are, yep. and then you're going to get into self-trouble. Yeah. You're going to start dragging and limping, and your yep. back's going to hurt, and your other hip's going to hurt, and then we got to start fixing those things, too. Right. So I think the... Those are like... And then the stuff you guys do with the BFR, too, is so cool. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... I love telling patients about that. If I know they're coming to you guys, it's like, yeah. oh, this is going to be amazing. You know? We tell them it's the worst feeling ever, but it is amazing. You work for it, but yeah, it's biology. It. Yeah. Yeah. I tell them, it's, like, it's, it's, you know, it's... it's Stressing, giving the muscles a stress that you wouldn't want to put that joint under right now. Mm-hmm. You know? But the joint doesn't see that stress, but the muscles do, and they respond the way they should mm-hmm. respond. Yeah. And so it's just I kind of give them that brief explanation. Like it's your your muscles are going to feel like they're squatting 400 pounds, but your joint's not going to know what's anything. Mm-hmm. And so it's like oh, okay, yeah. you know, it's it, yeah, it's, it's tough, but it yeah. but it responds. Yeah, there is like a few key coaching points I think you bring up just in the last five minutes that uh, I think I share with every single patient. I think we all do, or I hope we all do. But um, I feel like their rehab process or their healing process, I describe as like the stock market. Like you, if you expo- ex- if you approach it as an expectation that some days it's going to turn red, you're going to be fine because you know it's just going to turn up to green. But it's going to do this undulating cycle with an upward trend. And then if you jack it up, it's going to plummet. But, you know, if you can avoid that, unlike the stock market. It's a correction. You know, it's a correction. <laughs> it's a correction for you being a dummy. But either way. But you can expect that there's going to be this give and this take, but with big leaps forward, um, always approaching your, uh, I don't know, your healing limb as uh, always feeling good. And you push it when you can, and you back it off when you can't. And then, I mean, it, it's like a personal pet peeve of mine to completely avoid three other limbs in a central section after surgery. Like it's, <laughs> it is, it is profound when I watch someone maybe that I didn't treat that I know went into surgery and six months later they're more deconditioned than they were at any point in their life. And I'm like, you have an opportunity to to raise the bar for the rest of your body so that your surgical side just catches up and then it's ready to go. Yeah. And I mean, as far as I'm concerned, an endocrine response to lifting with the other limbs is still systemic. So it's going to help your surgical side. And a cardiovascular system is systemic when you stress it. And so if you stress it in safe environments where the surgical side is not affected, then their healing factors just went through the roof to try to get that side up to speed faster. I I think as an industry, that's what we have to change. Uh, PT has to change where that, you know, when you work on the knee, I'm not a therapist for your knee. I'm your PT. You know, and it is treating the human. It is treating the endocrine system and the and the aerobic system, and and the joint system uh, when appropriate. Yeah. And, and I think that mindset needs to shift mm. because I I think every fusion I've seen, a spine fusion, I can almost say, oh yeah, your doctor is for sure not going to let you see me for twelve weeks, and I can promise you there's stuff to do. 
And it's, it's weird how they all do three months, you know, for a fusion. They all, yeah. all do. But, uh, it's, you know, you, there's other things to, to do. Like, make sure your neck moves well because it's going to get kinked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, but we have to just change that and, yeah. and bit by oh, bit. Yeah. I mean, because it, it is. It's, whenever I hear somebody come back and, okay, so what, what, are, they, what are they doing with you? If I hear something other than that, I'm like, all right. <laughs> means, all right they, they, they know that there's more to use than just this knee mm-hmm. because the knee doesn't work in isolation you know that yeah. I mean if I sit here and bend it back and forth yeah it's, it's kind of doing that but my core stabilizes me so I don't fall off the chair mm-hmm. you know everything else is still kind of engaged here mm-hmm. and so when I just you know the, the, the ice stem oh, oh, right, yeah, yeah. and a couple of things that you had said that I want to kind of bring up is yeah I, you'll see people in second opinions that you know had a surgery this and that um and like, oh, I think I need another surgery. And you get there and you evaluate him like, no, you don't. Yeah, <laughs> right. You're just horribly deconditioned. Yeah, yeah, right. You just didn't finish. Yeah. <laughs> like, you started something and didn't finish. You're, you're like, <laughs> and then you, and then it's kind of that expectation. Like, well, well, how bad were you? How long were you hurt before you had surgery? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's two years. Okay, we're, we're eight months after surgery. Mm-hmm. Somehow you think you're going to make up that time that right. you you had mm-hmm. two years of being bad, mm-hmm. like. Everything around that joint went to just trash. And, mm-hmm. and now you're eight months after surgery, your surgery, you know, x-rays look good, you know, your MRI things like it's fine, and whatever it happens to be, the body part. I don't see anything there that needs reoperation. Everything's in there. You're just not conditioned to make yeah. that joint work well. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of, you know, telling them. And then you kind of show them, like, well, you know, can you do a single leg squat? Yeah. Nope. Let's see, let's, let's bring this heel. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This one's like this far from your butt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're just not clear markers. Yeah. yeah. And then, then they kind of start to see it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And and because they, they're coming in like, oh, I need another operation. I need another surgery because this one didn't work. Yeah. It's like, no, it worked. Yeah. I think yeah. it looks, you know, your surgeon yeah. did a good job. Yeah. You just need to get in better shape. But, and that's the hard part because they just want the surgery to be better. Yes, you know? like, that's right. Instantaneously. Uh, expectations. Like, they want to be fixed. Always. It's not really fixing things. Oh, it's, I it's, hate that. I hate, I hate that term. Yeah. I, I, to a young I person, that. I said, you know, if you think of fix, would you ever fix a flower? Because you're a growing human. Yeah. You are growing. Yeah. You don't fix flowers. Yeah. You can nurture them. Yeah. And, and the, the other thing is. <laughs> I know, weird. I, I want to be normal again. <laughs> that yeah. works. And so, and, 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 and I want to be 10 years ago. And I, and I tell them, it's like, I'm use that, well, you know, it's your car's yeah. going to crash. <laughs> we're going to paint it. We're going to make it look good on the outside. It'll be functional. Mm-hmm. But you're always going to know that that car was in an accident. Mm-hmm. And so I always tell them, don't use the word normal. I'm not going to fix you. I'm going to make yep. you functional. Yep. And that's, you know, there's a big thing between, you know, well, I'll have normal range of motion. You know, functional range of motion. You know, I can do this, but how many times do I really need to do this in oh. a day for what I do? Yep. You know, if you have an electrician, you work overhead. Okay, you need to do that a lot. So yes, we need to get you functional here. Yep. But if you work in this space most of the time, if you can get to here, who cares? You're still functional. You can get yep. something off the shelf. You can do whatever. So dispelling that I, one fixing and normal yep. and all these things. Throw like, those words out. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to make you functional because that's what you do. You function. Yep. Mm-hmm. You're not normal. Yep. And it's like, well, what does that mean? What does normal mean? Yep. Because mm-hmm. my elbows don't straighten, you know? Sure. And so that's... Normal for me, but most people elbows can straighten. And that's well, I can mm-hmm. fix it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I can function. Yeah, I can do whatever I need to do. You know? I don't need it to be straight <laughs> for what I do. Do that, you're best off with your arms a little bent. Yeah. So I mean, that, that's the yeah that that term fix. Oh, yeah. 
Because that's what they're looking for. Yeah. And yeah, but they're not eating right. They're not sleeping right. They're not doing oh. the, the good things that actually allows their body to self heal. But they're looking for you yeah. to uh, fix me. Something you guys had yeah. brought up too is, I mean, sometimes you can't fix them because they're so bad on the other end of mm-hmm. either nutritionally or mentally no, or yeah. in the endocrine systems, you know, blown up. And so, yeah, it, and that's where it's sometimes hard. You have to, you know, most people are kind of good, but when you see everything's done right, but they're not going right. What's that thing that's you know they're, yeah. they're ramming their head against and, and doing it and it's, and it's either nutrition or sleep mm-hmm. or you know some outside stressor that's yeah. that's holding them back and that's where you know a good therapist can really just kind of dig yeah. in there and because yeah. you have that much more time you know in a ten minute fifteen minute appointment we yeah. can't that doesn't always come out yeah you know and then, it's hard to find even after four hours with a person you yeah. know it's yeah. a lot of discussion yeah. you guys get so that, much time yeah. I know specifically is is delving into what they do, I mean, from some earlier podcasts, you kind of talked about it and just kind of uh, figuring out what they do and, mm-hmm. and why they do it or why, why they need they? to do it. And, yeah. and that's because then you can help them when you know where they want to go. You know, you both have a spot on the map. If, if you're yeah. just kind of fixing their knee, right. then you don't know where they're trying to go. Right now. Right. You know, Very surface oriented. Totally. Yeah. yeah, it's a big deal. That's it. Good, man. This has been fun. Yeah, it's, it's good. Good to have you. Thanks Absolutely. for coming on. And the wine was excellent. Too. It was it's fantastic. Yeah. We got some better comments at a rest with the wine as well. I think that was good. Yeah, oh. I just took a you know one or two. <laughs> it was great. I love Pinot. Love it. It's the only, it's the only thing. It's the only it's wine so I drink. Good. I didn't wow. tell you that either. It's the only yeah. wine I drink. It, Look at that. Well, I think it'd be something nice and light to, yeah. to enjoy. Oh, I'm very light. Heavy. Yeah. Yeah. You make don't you make sangria? With Pinot. Yeah, I'm sure you're not supposed to do that, but that's what I... There's yeah. no rules on that. <laughs> no. You know? It's your own individual taste. Do you like press. it? Yeah. yeah, do you like I, it? Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> not a lot of it, matters. though, but, uh, but I like it. I heard this today. It was uh, <laughs> with banana peppers. You put peanut butter on them. And I'm like, I'll try it. Yeah. So I guess something about the... Interesting. I'm like, yeah, so I'm try that. Like, a little harmony it. there, huh? Yeah, it was all right. Wow. You know? I love both of those, so... Yeah, you can try them together. <laughs> All right. Just not at work, and I don't have to smell you. That's fine. <laughs> I'm going to put that right in the tuna, dude. I'm going to get the tuna. Oh, I'm going to get the God. banana peppers and peanut... Oh, that's going to be a little uh, weird, maybe. Thank goodness yeah, we're wearing masks at this they point in life. Do you not have right advice on Russ's food choices? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't, right, he very said tuna in the workplace. It's a tuna in the workplace. Tuna in the workplace. Happens mm, frequently. Yeah. I know. At least <laughs> twice a week. It's, uh, it's my go-to. It's standard. You care less about any comorbidities, but just go for it. Scoop of peanut butter just right out of the like thing. Yeah. 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 Multiple times yeah. over. Yeah. <laughs> it's uncontrollable. Yeah. We're just happy that he eats and he uh, goes back to treating. So. Yeah. 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 There you go. Well, cool. Well, well thank you guys for uh, thanks for coming. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for talking. Thank it's great, great to have you. Yeah. And, awesome. and thank yeah. you for all that you guys do. Like I said, I, and, and I always tell it, my patients is too. It's like, you guys make me look good. You know, I, I, I do my operation, but you guys really make me look good and, um, and, and what you guys do and um, and nothing but 100% praise for you guys. And I mean, time and time again, they come back and thank me for sending to you guys because, like, I've been to therapy before, but this wasn't. I, apparently, I didn't have therapy. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, this is what therapy should be like. It's like before, they just, you know, they, they, you know, the, the stem and you know, ice and this and that. It's like everybody that comes in, it's like, you know, like, oh. I, I need to, you know, oh, you're going to work. <laughs> Be careful what you ask for. Right? You will leave there like, I did yeah. something. That's what they say. Like, I felt like I went there and I, and I did something. Yeah. Not just lay on a table. You yeah. have somebody mm-hmm. move you around a little bit. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's like, you do that. But I mean, they leave here knowing that 
they did something to mm-hmm. move them forward in the yeah. direction they want to go. Yeah. yeah. So I appreciate that's, that. That's, that's yeah, where absolutely. I mean, it's, and I, you know, I wish I could send everybody, yeah. but you know, unfortunately, there's insurance, and you know, they, they don't always let me send everybody. But yeah, yeah. because yeah. you guys do such a phenomenal job. Thanks. I appreciate yeah. it very much. Yeah. yeah, that's what it's designed to be as a model that where people can do that. They can find a place to move, and they can move better, and, and get that function back, get that life back, and we can help coach them through it. So, all right. Well, thank you guys. Thanks for watching Kimecast. This was Kimecast, and we are the Kime Human Performance Institute. Thank you very much for listening. We'd love to continue the conversation with you. Please hop on our social media. It's at KimeHPI and engage with us there. If you'd like us to feature a topic or answer any questions live on the show, post your comments there. You can also check us out on our website at KimePerformance.com and there you can see links to content that we've posted throughout our podcast for more information.